welcome to Clear Horror High. Hosted by Chris Vecchio and Nikki Jack. Welcome to the first episode of Queer Horror High, where we're queer, we love horror, and we're really fucking high. Uh, I'm Chris. I'm a queer Gemini demon. And uh, me. I'm your, your your favorite home ghoul, Nikki, and, you know, I keep the horror in horror. And this is our inaugural episode. Um, it actually isn't, but... I was gonna say, gonna is the- it our first... <laughs> Uh, no, the, uh, the we actually recorded. Well, here, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we recorded an episode of Ginger Snaps last week, and it was actually pretty fucking funny. But we definitely had some sound echoing issues that we needed to um, amend, and we did. So we already we also did a tester episode of Rob oh, Zombie yeah. Thirty One, which um, I mean, we never intended that to be. Yeah, we, we didn't want day. y'all to ever hear that episode. I mean, we, yeah, we'll keep that in the vault for now. <laughs> yeah. It was probably pretty funny, though, because there's always laughter to be gained. Gained? Hella. Well, well, regardless, <laughs> uh, anytime we get to slander Rob Z- Zombie, I'm always game. And honestly, I'm warranted <laughs> yeah. in that slander because I fucking love House of a Thousand Corpses. That's like my favorite movie of all time. It's just the rest of his movies that I don't like. <laughs> Yeah, we just trash it. And that's what's fun. It's fun Mm -hmm. to just hear people talk shit about something, even if you like it. Right. Anyway, yeah, we love slander (laughs) here. But our official first episode is going to be about 2009's The House of the Devil by Ty West. Yes. I was excited. Um, Yeah, this movie isn't, like, inherently queer, but... So fucking what? We're queer, so we're talking about it. So it's Yeah, now. we gay, so it's whatever. Um, <laughs> now it's gay. It's always gay when we're talking about it. Yeah. So what you smoking on? What is the high tea? Oh yeah, the high tea is me, me. Um I'm smoking on this ice cream cake that I got. It's really potent. It's like twenty-four something percent. Um it's an indica, because that's all I smoke is wrapper weed. And, uh, I am higher than the rent. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? What you smoking on? I'm actually smoking. I'm also smoking an indica because I only, I also only smoke indica. Not- I feel like we are the indica. We are the indica girls, not the indigo girls, but the indica girls. <laughs> um, cause yeah, yeah we, because we I, I am too anxious for Sadiq. I'd like them, and I don't get paranoid like other people do when they smoke weed, you know, but I'm already up. I don't need to go more up. Not that it takes you up, but, like, I don't need no, more clarity. It's, I, need, yeah. <laughs> I need to be dulled. <laughs> Especially because, like, I don't even have a real job or anything. Like, I don't I don't need to be up for any. I don't have nothing in my life that I need to be, like, that alert for. <laughs> like, I'm alive, and that's enough. I'm smoking a blue night, which is actually, apparently it's low in THC, but it's a real, apparently it's also rare. So I got Ooh. some bougie shit. 
Ooh. Actually, it wasn't that expensive. <laughs> but yeah, it's just, it's another um, <coughs> earthy, blueberry flavored indica. And it's really relaxing. And it's kind of like to soothe pain. And it definitely makes you really hungry. <laughs> I get pretty munchtastic on this. I love that. And yes, you guys will hear weed smoking um, in the background. Don't worry about it. That's our third co-host. Okay, so back to House of the Devil. Um, I've seen this movie like five times, and it just like the first time I liked it. The second time I was like, "Ooh, is this a little too straightforward and simple?" No, it isn't. It's actually really, really layered, and I feel like a criticism. A cri- oh, Jesus Christ! There it is. <laughs> There's the indigo mush mouth. <laughs> cr- criticism <laughs> that nothing happens in this movie. That it's so slow and there's no events. Like, it's you're just watching her sit in this house the whole time and people get bored. And I, I honestly, I don't see that at all. No, I, I love sometimes a good slow burn and, like, building the tension. Because that's what this movie definitely did was, like, it, it set, like, an atmosphere. Like, it yeah. built some serious tension. You, you felt weird the whole time. Like, you, don't, you might, like, know what's going on. You might even assume that you know what's going to happen. But the whole time, you just feel weird. And, yeah. and- I like that. I think part of it is that, one, I noticed that there's very few extras in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like, whether you're at, like, at the college campus, whether she's by, like, the telephone, which I think is off the college campus, too. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, even in the pizza place, there's, like, no extras. This town seems very desolate. Yeah. And that already, like, yeah. And it's very subtle. Like, you wouldn't, you just gotta look a little deeper. No, like... This is a, clearly a small town, but they don't say anything about what time of year it is, really. It looks like it might be fall, mm-hmm. based on the clothing that everybody's wearing. Because she's, no like, wearing gloves and stuff, coats, yeah. Like, it, it seems chilly mm-hmm. out, and, like, yeah, yeah. there's not really, like, t- telling signs of where, like, what's going on, and just weird and eerie. Yeah, and also, like, I love the 80s-ness of this movie, because the 80s now has been really, really warped. And, well, not warped, but, like, pigeon, like, diluted into just, or, not diluted, but... No, it's been diluted, I would just, say. Yeah, okay, yeah, it is diluted. But everyone just thinks of the 80s as black and neon. Bright, huge, monstrously large fucking hair. Like, cocaine, uh, electric guitar and synth at the same time. And, like, the 80s is all of that, and that's all great. But this movie doesn't have to shove all that shit in your face, like Stranger Things or Fear Street, mm-hmm. or any of this right. new stuff that, it's just one note. And this movie, it's like, the hair is feathered, the t-shirts are, the, what's her name, Megan, played by Greta Gerwig in an earlier role, is in, mm-hmm. like, a baseball ringer tee. And j- you could just tell by the look of the tee that it's authentically 80s. There's no phones. We see them, u- or no cell phones. We see them using pay phones, and waiting around for people. Like, these little things, it doesn't have to say 1985 or 1983 or whatever on the screen. You just know. Well, that's the thing, too, because uh, <clears throat> it was made in 2009, and that was still a time where it wasn't as, like, uh, overdone, like how the the 90s were, you know? Like, 90s tropes and stuff were, like, how we're doing now. Uh, 
But yeah, I love that even though it was made in 2009, it was so like it looked authentically like 70s, 80s slasher like filter. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was like really gritty, like how the like that gritty 70s. Um, it had that grain. You could see yeah, the film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I liked how she had like the cassette player, the style of her. Like when you mentioned like Megan's mm-hmm. uh, ringer tee, I was looking at her jeans, her entire outfit, because I was like, damn, I really want that outfit because those jeans make your ass look mm-hmm. bomb. Um, but like <laughs> that, that whole. Uh, they like really they really did a good job with that. I feel like the general cinematography and just like the, their eye for just like really paying homage uh to slasher films in that way or like that that whole like genre of just like 70s 80s slasher home invasion mm-hmm. is like awesome to me. Yeah, you could tell that Ty West loved horror movies from the late 70s early 80s just mm-hmm. by the Oh, 100%. Uh, and no, also, yeah. Um, <clears throat> I meant to say earlier when we were talking about him being the director and the writer, he did one of my other favorite movies, which I hope we get to cover soon, which is The Sacrament. So, the Sacrament was crazy. And I did, enjoy, I had a few issues with The Sacrament, but I did like it overall. And the guy that plays the cult leader in it was really good. Exactly, but what I was going to say, because, oh God, I love that movie, too, um, was in the same way that uh, he was able to kind of capture that same feeling with, like, this movie as far as, like, the camera lens and, like, the filter and, like, the look of it. He did that with The Sacrament, too, because it was supposed to be, like, a guerrilla-style, mm-hmm. like, vice documentary movie. So he does a really good job with that. Yeah. So this movie actually <clears throat> starts with the old school, like, satanic panic opening credits, like, with a little exclaimer, disclaimer, saying that it's kind of based on a true story. It mentions mm-hmm. Julian's eclipses, so it kind of sets you up for setting you up. The, the atmosphere is being set up right off the bat. And then yep. you get, the, yeah, then you get Jocelyn Donahue playing Samantha, just walking, and all those, like, freeze frames with and the yellow credits coming down oh, i was like love. oh my god this is so early 80s i love it love that oh yeah so do you want to um yeah it starts where she is uh like apartment hunting i guess or like looking for new places to live and um she is talking to the landlady right oh yeah the landlady played by d wallace horror that- icon I, she that's who that was. I was like, why do I know her? Oh, no, you definitely know her. She's been in a lot of stuff. I think most famously known as the mom at E.T. That's it. Movie, okay, but yeah, it, yeah. It, yeah. But still, yeah, she's, like, in a lot of stuff, though. Mm-hmm. No, she is in a lot of stuff. I feel like she's still going pretty strong. Um, I guess we should just give a little quick description, just so yeah. everyone knows. I'm pretty sure most people have seen Um, the IMDb description says in 1983, oh, okay, so it is 1983, financially struggling college student Samantha Hughes takes a strange babysitting job that coincides with a full lunar eclipse. She slowly realizes her clients harbor a terrifying secret, putting her life in mortal danger. So yeah, she starts off, a one also, when this movie starts off, she is in a pale yellow and white kitchen. And... <laughs> I want it. I love that. It's, it's so 
<laughs> it just brings me back to like, I, I feel like my grandma's kitchen was not that exact color scheme, but it's similar just, for some reason. Yeah, that like that like white that white and yellow checkered. Even though I don't think you could really see all that, you could see that there's a pale yellow bone. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh my god, this. And she even said later to Megan that she, she thought that the kitchen and bathroom were ugly and she was going to repaint them. I was like, you do not touch that fucking kitchen. <laughs> you don't know what you have <laughs> until you don't have it, you know? Like, God, girl, don't mess up a good and the thing. outside of the... Right? The outside of the house is also yellow. I was like, leave it. Also, the rent, <laughs> 300 Bro! Bro, okay, okay, let's get to it because... When she was talking about, like, this landlady, I was like, yo, are are y'all still leasing? Like, what's good? What? Mm -hmm. How how can I be down? Because I so desperately wanted, uh, because, yeah, she was like, 300. I was like, ma'am. And she was waiving deposit fees and shit. (gasps) That's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's what I was like. (laughs) My first note is super trusting landlady. Mm-hmm. She was great. I was like, you could rent me shit anytime. Okay, she would never rent to me because you know, but <laughs> <laughs> but I I would love to have it. But anyways, yeah, do you uh, wanna? I'm lost in my notes. <laughs> oh yeah, I have such chicken scratch. I'll I'll cut the, some of those seconds out. Yeah, so it was just like, she's super trusting landlady. She kind of gives her the rundown of this uh, really nice house. It's like a duplex house, or is that just like a house? It's a house, whatever. It's a house, and... It's a big-ass house. It's a big-ass house. You do not get houses like this. You don't rent houses like this to 20-year-olds anymore. For $300 (laughs) with no deposit. (sighs) Okay, anyways, so yeah, and so she... uh, Then we get back to her going back to the, you know, college... And um, there's a sock on the door as soon as she gets back, which is probably why she's moving out because her roommate seems like a super lame person. And yeah, wait. Oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. No, I just wanted to say like that part, like the whole thing with the roommate shows Ty West. Like, did he write this? I think he wrote this too. Mm -hmm, He did. Like his restraint in the writing. Like there is no exposition in this movie. This movie is so lean and clean. He doesn't tell us any bullshit like that. Like he, do, he doesn't need to tell us. He just shows us the sock on the door. The roommate is having sex in the middle of the day, which mm-hmm. Samantha complains about. She's mm-hmm. like, "Why right now?" Mm-hmm. Um, the, when she goes in the room, it's really messy. And later, the the woman, the roommate, is snoring really loud, and yeah. is clearly forgetful and waking up at like eight o'clock at night or whatever after yeah. a long night of partying. He doesn't have to tell you why Samantha wants to move. You see it. She's like, I need to get away from this crazy partying girl who is fucking up my shit. Ruin everything, like most yeah. roommates do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, so she like after she like leaves from her roommate being a hood rat, hood rat, hoochie mama. She goes and is like walk around campus and sees a uh, this babysitter ad, and she's like, oh hell yeah, because I need some money. And so she calls the gig on a payphone, and uh you know, goes to voicemail, so she leaves a message, literally hangs up, walks away, and it calls her back. Again, she's at a pay phone, not her phone. So it's kind of weird, and it's like that scary-ass, loud-ass pay phone ring, which we haven't heard in so long, which, ugh. The nostalgia in me. I want a pay phone around me. Like, I don't know why. I just need it. I need the option to call somebody collect. 
I haven't been able yeah. to do that in so long. As a long. New Yorker, yeah. as a New Yorker, how many times am I going to say that over the course of the <laughs> um, I feel, I feel like payphones are just like ambient noise. Yeah. At this point, like yeah. Yeah. So, and it that just, it brought me back to that time. So I love that. Also, I noticed when she found the babysitter flyer, there was a flyer next to it of like a guy holding his cat and it said lost cat. <laughs> it was so cute. I was Aww. like, oh, poor kitty. Well, let's focus on that. Let's, what's his story? <laughs> um, so anyways, uh, the phone calls her back and she answers because why not? And it's, you know, the person from the babysitter ad. And he's got like such a creepy voice even on the phone. Tom Noonan is really good at being disarmingly creepy. Like, yeah. Very soft-spoken. He seems very kind, but at the same time... You know, like, something's wrong with you. He makes you uneasy. Yeah, and I'm already distrusting of everybody I come into touch, like, contact with, so I was like, oh, I definitely don't trust this nigga. Oh, my God. Wait, I have to tell... Before we get into the rest of the movie, this is the story that I was telling you about a couple days ago, and I have to tell everybody. Oh, <laughs> okay. I met Tom... Yeah. I met Tom Noonan at the <laughs> Fangoria, yeah, the Fangoria um, festival. I don't know what do you call it, like, like Fangoria convention. Convention, yeah. In two, yeah, yeah, two thousand eight in Jersey, Jersey. I think it was the caucus, <laughs> and I got like a special pass, or I don't know. I bought a ticket to like be able to meet a bunch of horror icons, oh, and wow. one of the icons was Tom Noonan, and um, this was right before House of the Devil came. I didn't know him from that yet. I knew him from Manhunter, which he was great in. And he's like 6'8", by the way. Jesus Christ, and what a very man, what a slim. man, what a mighty good yeah. man. Yeah, and he's very slim. And I'm 5'5", five five and not very slim. <laughs> so standing next to him, I was just like, wow, this he just has such a presence. And I want, I was taking pictures. Everyone, they were all so nice. But he was just how he seems in the movie. He's just genuinely soft-spoken, a really nice person. Um, very, like, welcoming. Like, he wasn't weird about people taking pictures with him. He was so gracious. And I, he was like, so what kind of picture do you want to take? And I was like, I want it to be something kind of creepy. <laughs> and him being so tall and me being so tiny, he suggested that I sit on his lap. <laughs> and it was just, like, it was incredible. I, and so I sat on his lap and took the picture, and he's like, his his. I think his head might be resting on my shoulder or peering over my shoulder in the picture. And he's just looking all like soft and sullen, but a little creepy. And I think I'm just like smiling from ear to ear because I can't (laughs) believe he's sitting on his lap. (laughs) I was like, I want a creepy picture. And then I'm like, (laughs) yes. It's like (laughs) crazy smile. Like the best day of your life. Do you still have this picture? I do have that picture still. I'm pretty sure it's like in the depths of my Facebook somewhere. And I will post it on the Queer Horror High Instagram. Perfect. So you all can see this ridiculousness. (laughs) Oh my god, yes. I'm so excited about this. And fucking jealous. I really want to go to like a little horror convention. Because Bill Mosley is always at them. And like I'm, I -hmm. I love him so much. That's who I want to sit on. They're, They're really fun. I met George Romero at that one. Glad I got to meet him before he died. Oh, that's sick too. Lucky. He was also a tall motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> They're tall people in horror. God, I love it. Yeah, he yeah he was like six five or six six. So many trees to climb. I love that. So where are we? Oh, right. So this is when she um, meets Megan at the pizzeria, 
<laughs> oh, oh well, God. well, you we kind of skipped a little bit over that weird phone call because I mentioned oh, that right. like well, whenever she uh, he like calls the payphone back and she's like, oh hi, and he like you know tells her about himself or whatever and she's like how'd you get this number and he ignores that question and then uh sets up like the super rapid meetup to you know like the same day so that he can talk to her about this babysitting job because it sounds like he's like super right, urgent right. and he like really needs mm-hmm. you know this babysitter and she's like okay like today he's like yeah and then i think he even tells her over the phone it's like a hundred bucks or something and uh you and know. he tell and he even says where to meet yeah at, like the student center uh huh. Uh huh. And so she's like, okay. And yeah, that then we go to her meeting Megan at the pizzeria. <clears throat> um, yeah, because he stood her up. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that's right. Because she she like sat outside and like waited and waited and waited, and he stood her up. And that's when we get that cool little montage with her little um, her like cassette player and her. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's see. Now we're at the pizzeria where Mm -hmm. she is talking to Megan. And if there is any queerness in this entire movie, (laughs) this is where it is. Because I don't know, maybe, I don't know if it's (laughs) the baseball tee, if it's the shorter feathered hair. It's definitely the way she Or if it's the... Or the fact that she rips off little pieces of pizza from her slice and shoves them in her mouth and sucks the sauce off of her fingers. What is this? <laughs> like, it's the way she eats. A... I was looking at her mouth, and I was like, oh, that bitch be chomping. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm like, I'm like, is she gay? I think she, I, she might be. Like, she's, she mentions that she has a, a man later, but she sounds real uninterested. And it is the 80s, and she's like 20. I was looking at that hair and say. jeans, like, girl... She just has the energy too. I'm gonna say anything is possible. There is. I'm not gonna say this is queer coded, but I'm also not gonna say that it isn't. Okay. So, you know, queerness is where you find it. <laughs> right. Right. Um. Oh, I wanted to say. Uh. Oh wait, never mind. That's later. Okay, I'm getting ahead of myself. Um. So when she's talking to Megan, we find out she only has like eighty dollars to move in less than a week to get it, and <laughs> uh, girl, like you are unprepared. Yeah, I'm like I get it though. Been there, done that. Like, cause she's like twenty and she's trying to move out, and like her roommate's god awful. But like, girl, you have less than eighty dollars, and you need uh, at least what two hundred eighty more to get where you need to want like to where you want to be or whatever. But uh. I don't know. She is struggling. And it's cool, though, because Megan's like, I can help, you know? It sounds like Megan got it. Yeah, she's like, Megan seems like a really good friend. She mentions that her dad has a lot of money and that if it doesn't work out with the babysitter job that, like, he'll help her. I'm like, she's just eating her pizza like a monster and flicking (laughs) around that Charlie's Angel's hair. (laughs) I hate (laughs) I like I hate uh my biggest pet peeve is like the sound of people eating and like watching people eat like I cannot do it I am not the ASMR girl like uh not for me 
not food ASMR anyways, like, oh, and like watching Megan E was like literally torture porn for me. I was like, this girl, <laughs> like her mouth was massive and just like shoving. And the way she was just like so ag- unnecessarily aggressive with a slice of pizza. I was like, first of all, a thing for me, oh, like why I love horror movies is the way that pizza looks in horror movies. It always looks like a perfect slice of New York or San Francisco pizza. Like it's perfectly greasy. Mm-hmm. It's like that perfect triangle shape. Like, it can't get even any better. Megan made perfect movie pizza look just incredibly disgusting. She also called it disgusting. Yeah! Said it was gross, and then continued eating it. Yeah! (laughs) That's why I was like, I hate you with this food! (laughs) Thank God, I know. I don't have as much of a thing with, like, food noises, necessarily. I just have a thing with mutilating the sacredness that is a slice of Holy shit, How fucking yes. dare you? Yeah. It's one thing to fold it. Sometimes when the pizza is too floppy, you need to fold it. But never do you need to rip it into pieces with your fingers. Don't be doing all that, bitch. I'll slap fire out of you. Um, so then yeah. uh, she like... Oh, yeah. And then after she annihilates this piece, she, like, follows up with a cigarette. And I say, R.I.P. to smoking indoors, because I would absolutely throw up if I had to, like, endure someone smoking a cigarette. But there was something about being four years old in, uh, like, a Denny's or a Perkins uh, <laughs> and in the smoking eating section. Pancake- <laughs> yeah, eating my pancakes <laughs> and looking over to the corner or the back section and just seeing people smoking while eating their pancakes and just like ashing at the table. And I thought, like, wow, we will never get that again. Oh, I was in that smoking section a lot as a kid. My parents, <laughs> when I was younger, my parents smoked, and I feel like we, like, they usually didn't want to do that, but sometimes they did, and I'm like, okay. God, you were such a lucky kid. I remember one time, the one time I got to sit in the smoking section, I was, it was like after church. (laughs) I was like seven (laughs) with my mom and her friend that she like invited to church with us. Uh, she was a smoker and I remember we went to like breakfast or whatever afterwards and <laughs> my mom's friend like interrupted the, like my mom before, when the waitress asked and she's like we need a smoking table because I like to smoke and <laughs> I sat and I watched Monique smoke at the table and I was just like so fascinated I felt like like you reminds know reminds me of that being a rebel yeah there is like I don't know like when you were a kid there was a slight glamour to the smoking <laughs> I have no idea why. It was like also <laughs> that that scene in Mrs. Doubtfire at the end when Mrs. Doubtfire is trying to avoid <laughs> when he's trying to avoid sitting with the family and with his boss that he's interviewing with. Oh my and god! Then yes. he asks Mrs. Doubtfire like, "Where would you like to sit you know, for the birthday?" And Mrs. Doubtfire's just like, "Movie!" And he scares the shit out of everybody. <laughs> it's so true Uh, god it's like smoking on planes we're never gonna get that again but imagine being uh, on a plane ride right now it's like where someone just lights up a cigarette that's a horror movie no now the glamour of all that's gone like when i didn't know how bad and disgusting i don't want to say i don't want to shame everyone that smokes cigarettes but like smoking it is not not for you yeah no, it is just not for me, and I've never been a smoker, but as a kid, I liked it, but I don't want to go back to that time. I'm glad we're out of it. You also live in Vegas. You've still got to deal with it. Yeah, it lingers in the air here. It's literally in in <laughs> all of the... It's embedded in the buildings here. Like, it's just the essence of Vegas is, like, cigarette smoke inside. Um, anyways, back to the movie. Um, it's, uh... Oh, also, just, like, I love the little details in this scene at the pizzeria. 
Um, I forgot. We are actually talking about a movie here. Uh, <laughs> where, where Megan's like to Samantha, oh, I wish you had pictures. I'm like, oh, it's the 80s. They oh, can't yeah. She can't like pull out her I phone and that. show it. Yeah. So, yeah, she can't just like show her on her phone. Like, here, look. No, she she would have to like t- actually like take Polaroids. <laughs> Uh, this type, setting movies in the past that it really like serves a purpose because not having the cell phone, not having smart devices, it really isolates the characters, and we feel that. Yeah, and yeah, it it cuts them off in a way that like you can never do that now. Like now, filmmakers have to come up with so many other things if they want to set their movies in the present because you have iPhone tracking, you have you know you're you're easily trackable. The internet is much more prominent. Like you know, so they had to really. You have to think out of the box now. And you just set it in the 80s and boom. Yeah, everything's gone. No phones. And an already isolated town, like we mentioned. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, she it comes back to do, 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 her, her like dorm room after meeting with Meg. And I just, my note says everything is annoying when you're about to move out. Because her roommate is snoring and it's like... Like, the middle of the afternoon or late evening almost. No, it's, like, the late evening at this point. And, uh... Yeah, because Samantha's like, it's nighttime. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) She just seems so annoyed. Like, bitch, you've been fucking all day. It's dirty as hell in here. You ain't done shit. And, uh, I I made a note because there's, like, her her little punk roommate uh, has all those, like, show posters on the wall. And one of the posters has my birthday Mm. on it. It's, like, the main show. I'm Uh like, hey, that's me, girl. Um... <clears throat> but then her shitty roommate fails to tell her about her missed call because she got a call back from the the ad or whatever, or I'm assuming. And yeah, and so she calls the number back and it's Mr. Ullman, which, by the way, their last name is the same last name as the hotel manager from The Shining. Oh, shit. I didn't even realize that. Also, the same last name as famed Swedish actress Liv no, that her, she's hers is spelled with two L's, I believe. But oh, I thought you were gonna say favorite. Tracy. <laughs> 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 no, also like Tracy Ullman. Yeah, that's Just minus all of her incredibly dated racist material. Wow, I didn't realize how much there was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, wow. Yeah, I forgot. Yeah, remember the it Tracy was a Ullman time. show? R.I.P. Um, <laughs> she's not dead, but her show is. Um... <laughs> But anyways, yeah, so he is once again explaining how he urgently needs a sitter, and it needs to be tonight. And she was like, tonight? And he was like, yeah, I'll offer you double. And then she was like, all right. <laughs> like, no hesitation. I was like, okay, I double. Say say less. And uh, so, you know, Megan ends up being her ride, and they drive off to the middle of fucking nowhere, it seems like. Which, my favorite line in the whole movie is when Megan is like, yeah, taking you out to the middle of Jabib. Yeah. <laughs> like, Where is Jabib? Yeah. <laughs> what is that? Yeah. What? I've never I just, been. I, like, I wonder if Greta Gerwig just improvised that. <laughs> it sounds like she may have. Definitely. <laughs> uh, and then Megan mentions the eclipse is happening, which is like, oh, foreshadowing. Like, why do we keep, you know, focusing on this eclipse situation? And, um... It was really funny because at the pizzeria, Megan talks about, uh, she was like, why don't you take down all the flyers? Because she, you know, talking about the job and, Mm -hmm. you know, to like sabotage anybody else trying to get the, you know, the the job. And 
I thought that was really funny because once again, she is down for her friend. Yes, sabotage. She the is competi- a really good friend. Sabotage the competition. Don't let nobody else get this job, girl. I need to eat and pay rent. Come on now. And what mm-hmm. what did Megan do in the car ride over there? What is uh little Samantha see? A stack of flyers. So because Megan was like, "Hey, look at the back seat." <laughs> I got you, girl. <laughs> <laughs> and then she was like, I took down all the flyers. I knew you'd be a pussy and wouldn't do it yourself, so I did it. And uh, I'm like, that's what the fuck I'm talking about. Show, what about your friends? TLC asked us, what about your friends? Are they going to stand yes. their ground? Are they going to hold you down? And that's what Megan does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and also... Go ahead. Oh, sorry. She, what is, Samantha tries to like, rationalize why she's doing it and be like well they have a lot of money they must be normal and megan says you think having lots of money makes you normal okay I'm like, thank you thank you talk to them <laughs> this is the home girl that i like heavily encourage everyone to make sure that they have in their life presently you know like she is uh you know looking at all the shit that samantha is not looking at because sometimes we we really need things we like turn our fucking blinders off and don't be looking at red flags and we confuse mm-hmm. red flags for six flags and then you end up on a roller coaster ride to hell so you know it's good to have like you know a second opinion sometimes and especially a second opinion and mr ullman yeah and mr ullman does kind of look like that crazy bald creepy motherfucker from the Six Legs commercial that did the fucking Bangle Dance Bangle Boys bullshit. He does look like him. Um, so they're like driving. Also I noticed by they pass a graveyard, which is really odd. Um and uh it again, the 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 atmosphere is just getting weirder and weirder and it's setting the tone and getting more a little like a little bit not tense but just creepier. Um, Megan asked to tag along and I was like, that's presumptuous, but smart. Cause why would you babysit in the middle of fucking nowhere by yourself? Like, I know you didn't right, like, ask ahead of time, but still, I don't know y'all. All the reason in this movie, like the, the voice of reason comes from her and like you never in a normal horror movie, you never, ever, ever listen to the blonde white chick. Mm-mm. That is also why I'm like getting lesbian vibes from her i'm like she is practical practical like, as she hell. knows what's mm-hmm. yeah she's practical she has a volvo yep a vo- yeah, like safest car on the road megan also says that yep. i'm like i yeah everything I'm about like, her she's I'm, trustworthy i'm like where mm-hmm. is megan like in my life like do i have a megan let me make sure let me take some inventory because she is that is the home girl right there anyways um so <clears throat> We get to the house, we get to um, knock on the door, immediately get a weird-ass greeting from Mr. Oldman. It's so bizarre, and he's like, did he, like, caress her hand a little bit? Or, like, I was like... He calls them pretty. Yeah, it's a little too much me and you, buddy. Calm down. Mm-hmm. And, uh, again... Megan gives him the third degree. <laughs> she asks him questions and shit. <laughs> it's like, here she goes. And uh, he's like, can I talk to you alone? <laughs> he pulls a man yeah. to the kitchen. Like, let me, can I, let me rap to you right quick. <laughs> Again, I make another note that says, I hate how Megan eats. Because while they're in the kitchen talking, oh she, is, <laughs> she is trying Snacking to Snacking on them down. candies in the crystal dish. Yeah, they're weird <laughs> candies. And um, she's like sucking on them and spitting them out. And I'm like, God, like... Hey, can you not yeah, she eat- like eats one yeah can you not eat anything like a lady 
<laughs> no, she 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 literally she eats one, doesn't like it, puts it in her purse, and then eats another one, likes that one, and then scoops a bunch of them out <laughs> of the crystal dish. And of course, it's a crystal dish. Whose grandma did not have a crystal dish filled with disgusting candies, Werther's originals? But on the great day, the strawberry thing, <laughs> strawberry looking wrapper, <laughs> cream savers, the strawberry and creams, cream savers. Those are the mm-hmm. the bomb too. But yeah, she was just all up in their little candy dish or whatever. So he's in the kitchen uh, talking to Samantha like, listen, uh, okay, so you and your friend. (laughs) I'm only paying one of (laughs) y'all. And she was like, oh, I know. (laughs) And he was like, all right. (laughs) She also can't stay. (laughs) Like. Well, then he's like, you're also, you're not babysitting. You're actually going to be watching my wife's mother. And then he has to offer he was her. like he winds up giving her he says 300 but then Samantha's like no 400. Yeah, she was like nigga you got like, to really pay me for that. And I'm like I don't know if this is this was like built into the movie, but I'm definitely getting some like class commentary a little bit. It's just showing like this woman is so desperate for money that she is doing something that she knows and is being told by her best friend is unsafe shady and probably wrong like mm-hmm. but because she's i told so you red poor, flags man they look like six flags yeah mm-hmm. yep she's like, like whatever I... west making yeah she's like whatever i need this money and uh like i'm not i'm not in a position to say no <laughs> you know so yeah and then um megan was like you know, she goes and relays this information to Megan, and Megan's like, girl, hell to the naw. First of all, like, are you crazy? This sounds hella weird. Uh, and when she was like, yeah, but I'll be able to pay rent and then some. Which, Megan already offered to help you out, homegirl. Like, this does not feel safe. This does not seem safe. Like, it, it's hella weird. He's not letting you. Okay, first of all, if he's not letting you, like, have your friends stay with you. I don't care if I'm doing a babysitting job. If I feel uncomfortable and I like express that I don't feel comfortable staying by myself and I have like backup with me, like, and you tell me that I can't do that. I'm out. Mm-hmm. Same. Especially when like, there isn't even a kid involved. <laughs> so it's not even creepy for them, like for the almonds to have that happen. And she doesn't have to get paid. I would be like, can Megan just chill? Yeah. She doesn't need to get paid and do the work, but she'll just like give me some support. But that show, like that shows Samantha is so desperate that she just she's doing everything she can to get Megan out of there, to get them out of there, and just to get the night over with. And it's that, obviously that's never a good idea. No. And um, again, I was like, damn, how much is rent? Because she was like, you know, yeah, it's you know four hundred dollars and then some. I'm like, damn, I, I wish my rent is four hundred dollars. Like, what the fuck? Anyways, um. Right. So Megan's like, fine, I'll come back, whatever. I'll come get your ass at 12.30. She was like, yeah, okay, thanks. And leave Samantha alone. And I'm like, this is, this is not okay. <laughs> no, and Megan still knows something is wrong because she has to like pull over so she can light her cigarette because she's so fucking pissed. Crazy. Yeah, and pissed. Then, uh, And you know, oh then, God, this is the part I hate. I know. She's trying to light her cigarette with the old car cigarette lighter. Oh my God. I love that part. And because she doesn't have her lighter or whatever, can't find it. And all of a sudden, someone scares the shit out of her and approaches her window with a fucking lighter. And I just love, like, this guy is trying, I mean, he's 
there's the the illusion of that he's trying to help her, but she is just like he gives her a light and she's just still sassing him. He's like, it's so cold out here, and she's like, who the fuck are you? Okay, okay. She literally just goes, okay. Like I just love that. Like he don't take no shit at all. Never. <laughs> like I love this woman. <clears throat> and then unfortunately, there's a little exchange between them, and she tells him that he she is not the babysitter, and he immediately. Blows a hole right through her face. Pops, <laughs> like, popped her right there in the car. And I was like, damn! Just, like, exploded her melon, no hesitation. And, uh... And then smoked her cigarette. Yeah. He took the cigarette right out of her dead-ass hand. Yeah. I was like, how dare you, sir? You have no manners. Um... So then we get back to, you know, Samantha at the house. And one of my notes says, I miss uh, how ashtrays were just, like, everywhere in the 80s and 90s. Like, literally just came. And they were crystal. Yeah, they came with everything. And they were, like, heavy and glass or crystal or, like, you know. You could kill someone with one of those. Yeah, they were nice. Like, I want some old ashtrays. I make them, by the way. Hit me up at Hella Stoned. <laughs> plug, plug. <laughs> Um, anyways, uh, there was just, like, super weird introductions for everyone, because then she meets Mrs. Ullman here, right? Vivian. The fantastic Mary Warrenov. I love this woman. She is just so, she's gorgeous, but also really diabolical looking. Like, you look at her and you're like, she's scheming. She's planning something and it's not good. I never trust old white women unless it's Diane Keaton, um, Meryl Streep, Glenn Close, <laughs> or Kathy Bates. Barbara Streisand. Yeah, that's a pretty good... Barbara Streisand. Those are the only... I do, I do not trust Barbara Streisand. I 1,000% do. <laughs> okay. Agree to disagree. I'm from Long Island. She's from Long Island. There are stories. I don't want to know. But... <laughs> so I want to preserve I Babs in my mind the way she is. Yeah, don't don't look into her. Um, um But yes, she Vivian's weird as hell. Megan's like, where the fuck did you come from? <laughs> like, and not Megan, but Samantha, I mean. Um, is like looking at her kind of weird because this introduction is like hella weird. Well, yeah, because Mr. Ullman goes upstairs. Yeah, he goes upstairs to get her, but then she comes from the basement and says that <laughs> she was yeah. looking through yeah, looking for her furs or looking through her furs. And she complains about the cold and everything. She's like, we're from the desert, you know. I like the desert. And I was like, are, are you from are hell? <laughs> are you yeah, from hell or are like, you from I'm Arizona? Like... <laughs> <laughs> there is none. There is none. It's the same fucking thing. They're all demons. Um, it's a portal to hell. Uh, so yeah, everyone's all touchy and just weird in this house. I don't like it. Everyone's like caressing her and shit. Like, nigga, why are you? Keep your that's too much me and you. Keep your hands to yourself. I'm already watching y'all, mama. I don't know her. (laughs) Like, y'all are just Mm -hmm. mm -mm, pushing my boundaries. So then he uh uh they leave and he keeps being like, "Do I give you the you know? There's a number for the pizza dude on the door. There's this and this." Okay, we must get going. The pizza number thing, the pizza number thing struck me because he said it twice when they were first talking and he mentioned how, oh, I already, I already said that, didn't I? And Samantha laughed. And then he says it again for the third time on the way out, like with all the other stuff. And I'm like, that is, to me, that's him trying to lull her into a false sense of security. 
Yeah. I'm the sweet old man. I'm forgetful. I'm harmless. Mm -hmm. It's like he's manipulating her so ever so subtly, just a little, making her feel more at ease because they could probably tell that she's like, what the fuck is going on? 1,000. Get the fuck out. I just want to get this night over with. So I'm like, all those little things, like, I, that's why I don't know how people can say nothing happens in this movie. You just have to, maybe you just need to get stoned and watch it. Like, zone out, and those little moments might stand out to you. 1,000%. Um, uh, and so she, like, you know, it's kind of sitting around the house, not doing anything, and eventually she just called for a pizza. And I made a note because I was like, $8 for pizza? These prices back then, the rent is, like, everything is, like, you can get a house for the cost of a Happy Meal. And... You know, a pizza. Everything is like a third. Yeah, a pizza for the price of a crack rock. One crack rock is like eight, is probably like $10, $5. I don't know. How much is crack? Can someone tap in and let us know? Uh, <laughs> I'm from New York, but I don't know that. <laughs> I, I've never bought cracks. So I don't know the prices, but I imagine they're the same prices as like food in the 80s. It's crazy. Um, <clears throat> uh, so the pizza call is weird. Excuse me. The yeah, it is. It is weird. They they don't have a small. They only have medium and large. I'm like you. You could already tell that. So, I mean, is that that weird? I guess that's kind of common now. Trying to fatten everybody up, starting in the '80s. I don't know. <laughs> that is weird to me because like it's a small pizza. Like because most pizzerias you can get pizza by the slice. So why wouldn't you just like have a small? You know, it's just weird. Anyways, um, he also I. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. I was just going to point out that she was like walking around the kitchen with the giant phone cord. And that made me nostalgic, like getting caught in the phone cord, trying to reach desperately, like just to, so she could get the address. Cause she didn't know the address of the house she was staying at. Mm -hmm. So she had to tell the pizza guy. And it was just like, Oh my God. I just remember like getting tangled in the shit. Uh, Pretending to hang yourself with the cord. I loved doing that. Oh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, so, yeah, actually, the pizza, the weirdo pizza call happens, his little, like, weirdo voice and conversation happens, and <clears throat> she gets nosy as hell, and she starts to walk around and, you know, look at shit, touch shit, and, uh... She's checking out every room in this house. And, and... Almost. There's a basement and... So, there's a basement and an attic, and I my notes say, always avoid basement, and in the upstairs, don't touch shit. <laughs> I was like, sit down somewhere. My notes just say, sit down somewhere. Um, don't touch nothing. Uh, no, especially if you're already that freaked out. Like, I know that, like, sometimes you want to discover things and and confirm if you're right or confirm if you're wrong. Like, confirm, like you know, find out that you're wrong and just ease your mind. But she really is like, she is white womaning all through this. Way and too much. Just, just assuming stupid. the like assuming <laughs> that she has the right to just open doors and shit. And I'm like, bitch, my black ass would never. First of all, they wouldn't even hire me. But second of all, girl, <laughs> what the fuck? So <clears throat> she sits down. She sits her white ass down finally and watches TV. And again, there's another mention of the eclipse at midnight on the news. And, and the Frightmare Theater. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, Ooh, cool, what's that about? Um, and so the movie that actually comes on right after the news is Night of the Living Dead. Oh, yeah, and it's the scene where Barbara is getting, where Barbara dies. Mm -hmm. and it's devoured by the zombies. 
including her brother, and I was like, uh-oh. <coughs> Yikes. Foreshadowing. Yeah. There's so much foreshadowing in this movie. Right. Which brings us to one of the the best musical sequences in a movie ever. The maybe? best! I don't, even, I don't even like this song, really. No. Like, it's one thing leads to another by The Fix. I didn't know who The Fix is. Is The Fix a one-hit wonder? Probably. Most 80s people? Most 80s bands kind of were. Yeah, especially of this kind. It was like, you know... Uh, outfield yeah like the, like bands like the outfield yeah like who did shit i can't even remember the name <clears throat> of the song it doesn't matter you know an 80s one hit wonder this is one of them you know that song you know one thing leads to another and she is just she puts it on her walkman um it goes from diegetic to non-diegetic sound <laughs> from her walkman to the wait or is it the other way around i'm too high i don't even remember my film school shit no more <laughs> Whatever. It's in the headphones, and then it is it becomes a soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Dancing around the house. Um, and then she knocks over a vase. Mm-hmm. Vase, vase, whatever the little thing that they call it. Idiot. And I said, being nosy and, again while cleaning. Mm-hmm. That's, what, that's what you get. Like, why? Like, I get it. You're trying to pass the time. She's trying to have a good time. She's a little freaked out. but And especially going upstairs, going closer to the attic. It's dark up there. There's no fucking light on it. And she hears thumps and thuds and shit. Like, uh, I was getting so. Oh yeah, that's frustrated. when she hears. Yeah, yeah, I was getting so. I think that's frustrated. when she hears the first thud. Because mm-hmm. you know, because you know, the mom is upstairs. Y'all have not met. You don't even know what this lady looked like. Nothing. You just heard that she's supposed to watch her and she could do everything she needed to do on her own and shit. She's completely independent. Then why am I here? Like, why? Why I gotta watch her? Yeah. You know. Exactly. Like, and I feel like this is where this is the point in the movie where. I feel like anybody would get out of the house. Maybe not. Who knows? You know, you know, this again, like she's so desperate for the money that she stays when she, after she's cleaning up the shards and here's the bumps, she opens a closet upstairs, by the way, Mm -hmm. we're upstairs now. Mm -hmm. And she sees Mrs. Ullman's furs. That woman said that those furs were fucking downstairs. Yep. So, and then she finds a picture of a family in front of the red Volvo station wagon that Megan pointed out when I first got there. And that ain't the almonds in the picture. Nope. In front of that car. So right there, you're like, okay. Family is where? Did the almonds get a lot of plastic surgery? Right. Who is this? Yeah. And you could see in her face that she's like, oh, shit. So she goes to call. I think she goes to call Megan again. Uh Called Megan earlier. Uh Uh-huh. And it wasn't answering. And. And so then she goes to... Still doesn't leave. Yeah, so then she goes and she connects the car and the picture of the car and driveway. And then she goes to look in the driveway, but there's like a van there instead and not the red car from before. So it's like, what the fuck? And uh, you can vaguely see the dude who shot Megan. Like, you can vaguely kind of like see him appear. Yeah, he like doesn't he flip the cigarette on the ground and put it out or mm-hmm. something like that? You know it's him. Yeah. And so Megan's still not answering the calls, and Homegirl is like, fuck this. She finally gets some, like, little, you know, pep on her stuff, and she grabs a knife. Because <laughs> she's like, I'm not fucking around in this house no more. And she hears more thumps and thuds upstairs. And it's like, what the fuck is going on? <clears throat> so she's just, like, walking around with this knife, and kind of goes exploring again but like with a knife and uh there's a door and on the other side of the door she doesn't see it but we see 
that fam that uh, assumed family from the picture, and and they're on like the shape of a pentagram. Yeah, the dad's on the pentagram. It looks like like an older man is on the pentagram, and then there's two other bodies that are like kind of obscured in the darkness at his feet, but they're all dead. And it's kind of like a what's behind door number one situation where it's like, don't Mm -hmm. look there, bitch. Stop opening shit. You don't want to know. Because at that point, like, even if I, if I did know, like, okay, say I'm in this house and I find something and I see that scene, I I can't even really leave because Megan's not answering. So she can't even come and pick me up. That is true. And she's in the middle of Jabib, so where's she gonna go? Yeah, and she's obviously, like, why isn't she calling her parents or, like, you know, anybody else or her, her, her dorm mate or whatever. And that lets us know that her roommate is, like, is that much far removed from her life because she's not even calling her to let her know, like, where she's at and stuff, you know? So, um, <clears throat> anyways, she, uh, you know, the when she's about to look behind, the reason why she doesn't see the family behind this door is because the doorbell rings, right? Because the pizza is here. The pizza finally gets there. And, uh... Yes. She, uh... Sees it, and the delivery dude for the pizza is who? The murderer. Which makes me wonder, is that why Mr. Ullman kept bringing up, don't forget to order pizza, 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 pizza in the beginning, because he knew that was going to be the delivery dude. And he was kind of trying to oh, yeah. implant that in her brain, or like, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. He wanted her to get pizza because... I, I honestly think that no matter... What? No, it couldn't have been that. Because he, no, I was going to say, like, no matter what it was, it would have been that guy answering the phone. But that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't make any sense because he gave her a specific phone number. Uh huh. Uh huh. To to call. Um, I think he he basically was just play, like, this is where like it's a subtle play on an eighties trope. I think Mr. Ullman even says in the beginning like you know I know you all kids love pizza. Mm-hmm. It's just he's just banking on it. She's young. It's the eighties. They ain't got no food. Yeah, they probably ain't got no food in yeah. there. Um. So and it and so. The number, oh, the number, so she calls, who does she call? Because she grabs the pizza, she was all scared. Because I remember the way that she held the pizza box, I was so annoyed. Because I was like, girl, you done fucked up that pizza. Like, I knew, she's gonna, yeah, she like clutches it to her chest. And I'm like, that pizza is sliding to the bottom of the box, getting all mushy. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like, it's like, not good. Oh, the and cheese is gonna slide off. Yeah, and I'm like, that pizza probably is trash as hell. And of course, that pizza, when she opens it, it looks like it's trash. I'm like, it looks all cold. It does. Um, so then um, she starts turning on all the lights because she's like, no, fuck that. Like, is it, I'm scared mm-hmm. as hell. Fuck that. And I've had babysitting jobs like that before. I was a little creeped out. And I was like, no, I'm turning on some lights. Now I'm locking some <laughs> damn doors. <laughs> Your kid scares me. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so she's watching the... Oh, she she tries to call the emergency line. Oh, yeah. That, like, I think, I'm not sure, maybe it's not 911, but then she decides against it. Yeah, then she they hang. She does like a call and hang up or whatever type thing, or they call her back. And so yeah, then that's when she like starts turning on all the lights and stuff. And then Fright Fest is back on. She starts watching it when she's already scared. I'm like, dang, nothing else is on TV, girl. You can't change the channel. She just turns off the TV instead. I'm like, I'm sure Golden Girls is on. Golden Girls came out in 1985. Thing. Yeah, 
Oh, this is like 83 or something, yeah. 80, apparently it's 83, so Golden Girl, but she could have watched Maud. Yeah, something was, okay, something was on, something was on, the Jeffersons or something. Welcome back, Cotter. All right, all, all the family, okay. Happy days. Yeah, anything, but, um, so she goes to the bathroom, no, she's in the kitchen, right, and she hears the weird drain sounds. Yeah, oh, because she goes, she cuts the pizza, she eats some of the pizza. Oh, yeah, it's all weird. She cuts the pizza, yeah, she cuts the pizza with a knife, and then she eats some of it, isn't feeling it, throws it away, then she washes the knife, and I think as she's washing the knife, she hears something in the pipes, like, someone is using the bathroom upstairs, or... Yeah. She could just tell that something's going on. Yeah, in the pipes. She goes upstairs to the bathroom, and there's a lot, a lot of hair. And I was super Not triggered. Like, I was super triggered because it reminded me of my roommate redacted from <laughs> when I the one I'm thinking. No, um, no, okay. I've had so many roommates. Nobody will ever know who this is. But right. Redacted roommate okay. from uh, 2015 who used to in Berkeley, who used to leave the tub full of hair. It looked like an entire wig was in her fucking drain <laughs> every day. I was like, this shit looked like three wigs. This was not just like a little bit of like, oh, I, I trimmed a few ends or, oh my, I don't know. It's not even like a bunch of pubes. Like this is tracks of hair, swaths. Literally. Bundles. Bundles. <laughs> she had bundles Bundle. in the tub. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so goes back upstairs and, and again with the exploring she, I'm like, you keep seeing shit, and that makes you more curious, and I hate that for you, girl, because it is not going... Curiosity isn't indeed going to kill this cat. Um, so she goes back upstairs. There's an attic doorway, and this is where my stomach starts to turn, because I'm like, I don't like when I see attics or basements in movies. Um, I know there's never anything good. Um, and what happens? She gets to that doorway, and the power goes out. And there's like sounds of someone coming or walking toward her. And it's just like that wood is creaking. And I'm just like sweating bullets because I'm like, oh, shit, this is not going to go well. And she's like trying to get out of there and she faints. She's not feeling good in the hallway. She faints. And that pizza was poison. That that weird, gross feeling. Yeah, that gross Mm -hmm. taste that she had from the pizza that made it uneatable or whatever. Um, or inedible, she was like, oh, that's poison. So she falls in the hall. I like uneatable. <laughs> uneatable <laughs> is the new inedible. Fuck it. <laughs> we high. Um, so she falls in the hallway, and this is when, the, like, we get flashes of, like, the eclipse. Mm-hmm. It's red. Yeah, it's like a, cool. it's a blood red moon. Or, an, yeah, moon. And so it's like... Hell is scary, and then she wakes up tied up in the mental in the middle of a pentagram with candles. Ooh, child! I know. Then the omens come in. The omens come in. All three of them. Mm-hmm. Well, all three of them. The three that walk in come in, and then you find out. I mean, we knew it all along that this driver was probably related to them. It's clearly their son, and grandma is a demon maybe yeah either a demon or like a really super old lady waiting for a new family i'm assuming either way she's ugly as hell 
Yeah, she yeah, she looks like she belongs in like Jim Henson movie. <laughs> Dark crystal face she, ass bitch. Yeah, she just like she just kinda has that like little that hunch and that kind of hood. <laughs> she just she looks she almost looks like if you didn't look at the the like the little sharp little teeth in her warped face, she almost like just looks so dainty. <laughs> like the grandma from the Adams family a little bit too. I thought she was the mama from Sleepwalkers. It was that. Oh no. <laughs> Is that the movie I'm thinking of with the, the that cat lady? I think so. Sleepwalkers is the one where like the mother and son yeah. get away and with, go. Yeah, with the yeah. cat town is Stephen King, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. ew. Ugh, I hated that movie. That was a little so ugly. So ugly. That lady was so ugly. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> um, they start... okay, so Grandma Demon performs a ritual on Samantha. Doesn't she like, she draws like. Her blood. Uh huh. Like pant- a pentagram and other like satanic symbols on her stomach. And. Then puts a goat's head, I believe, yep. on her and fill, and cuts her. The grandma cuts her own wrist. She cuts it the right way too. Mm-hmm. She cuts it down the road, and then she bleed like she bleeds like she squeezes some of her blood from her wrist into the top of the goat skull. Ugh. Picks the goat skull up and like and pours the blood into Samantha's mouth. So she's, she's gagged. There's like that opening, and she just like gags and pukes it up. But Samantha immediately is like, no motherfucker. <laughs> And takes a dagger, I think, off the ground. Yep. Pushes herself off, stabs the grandma, stabs Mr. Ullman, and fucking bolts. Gets out of there. Um, oh, she also gouges the other guy. She gouges the son's eye out. Yep, sure does. And I was like, uh, when she was running around, I was like, why'd you go back to that, that other room that she ran into? But I just realized that house is just so massive that I think she just, like, maybe went in a circle or, like, the rooms just kind of look similar. It was weird. That's the thing. Like, I think, I think, was she in, was she in the room where she, where, like, she was not, where those other people were dead before? Or was she in the basement? Because she kept going up and up and up. I think she came out of the basement. Uh, she saw Megan's dead body on the ground in the kitchen. That's why. Okay, that makes sense then. Um, yeah, this house is so labyrinthine. That's a word. Right? Yeah, no, it is now. Yeah, we're creating shit over here. It is. Uh-huh. I think that's a real word, though. Yeah, we create content and words, so we got it. Uh, <laughs> so the wife finds her and says, uh, you can't do anything, it's gonna work. Like, the, our ritual is gonna work no matter what you do. And it becomes, um, I become RuPaul in this moment because the wife takes off her wig and I get so angry because I'm like, you will never win Drag Race when you take off your wig in the middle of a performance, my dear. Um, and she starts fracking. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was just so disappointed. Like, you could have won this lip sync, and here you go taking off your wig, trying to get overly emotional. You're not Robbie Turner or Monique Hart, <laughs> so stop it. So um, uh, the demons or like, something is just, like, starting to, like, she's getting hearing voices in her head that are, like, taking over her thoughts. And uh, this is Samantha, by the way. Who has like demons invading her thoughts and stuff? So like, well, yeah, it's like the grandma. The grandma's face is popping up in her head. Uh huh. Like she's getting flashes of either another demon or the the grandma. Yeah. Uh huh. While while Mrs. Ullman is talking to the Lord, that her Lord, I believe it's probably Satan. Uh huh. 
Uh, so the Lord, yeah. In, in, in the... <laughs> in the <laughs> Uh, so she like I think she just like runs out of the house at this point. Yeah, she runs out of the house, and I said that I love this no, sh- shot in particular, the scene because this like bloody dress and her running in the cemetery, like it looks so cool, and uh, just like it, it was beautiful to me. Um. But she has this, like, uh, standoff in the cemetery with Mr. Ullman. And because he followed her after she ran out of the house. Because um, she, like, killed Miss Ullman. Yeah, she stabbed her in the back while she was talking to the devil in the booth. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So she got her up out of here. And so, yeah, she ran out of the house. She's running in the cemetery. Mr. Ullman follows her. And they have a standoff. And <clears throat> she's like... She can feel the spirits talking to her, like you can, you know, you can you can hear them. Mm-hmm. And he's yeah, telling, he says that he's just a messenger. Yeah, he, he's telling her like, let the let the spirits talk to you. Let them, you know, mm-hmm. be you know, listen to them or whatever. He's like encouraging it. Mm-hmm. Focus on the moon. <laughs> and uh, she has she stole the son's gun because he was popping shots at her, you know, trying to shoot her too. And she like, oh yeah, he shot her in the fucking shoulder. I for, we, I totally forgot about. Yeah, that. I forgot that she got shot. Yeah, she she got shot in the shoulder, and she slit his throat. Uh huh. We totally glossed over that. That was great. I do have to say, I fucking hate his face. I hate his face so much. I can't. Oh, I can't tell who he looks like. Actually, I do know who he looks like. I also can't say their name on the podcast. Uh, <laughs> but he looks like a nigga I know who I also hate. <laughs> to, is, <laughs> to me, it wasn't even necessarily the actor's face. But, I mean, just like, he, he was so, like, insolent. Like, uh-huh. He was just, like, a weenie in a way. In, in a way that you just want to be like, he just looks like a nerd that says he's a nice guy, but, like, just talks mad shit about women and is actually, like, a pervert. Uh-huh. Like, he just, like, just the character combined with that guy's natural presence just gave me that. I mean, she slit his throat so, like, cleanly and matter-of-fact. Like, she didn't even hesitate. I was like, thank you. Thank God. Yeah, you the real one. Um, so, yeah. She got she got the whole family up out of here by herself solo. I was like, oh okay, okay, mm-hmm. you got you got a little you know a little bite to you, girl. So she's having the standoff with Mister Ullman because she like stole the son's gun after she killed him, and and then she was like, puts the gun to her own head. He was like, no, don't do it, kill me instead. And uh, she was like, no, fuck you, and she pops herself, and. You're like, oh, wow, she, you know, she's dead. And we get a long, dramatic hallway hospital scene. And it's her in the hospital bed. And uh, I was like, she fucking survived? Like, I think it was the strength of the devil within her. That was what I got out of it. Like, well, I feel like I have a story. She was a second too late. Yeah, I have a story about this, actually, about someone shoot, getting shot okay. in the face and surviving. So, <laughs> I don't know if I'm even allowed to tell this story, but I don't give a fuck. This is my show, and I'm going to do what I want to do. <laughs> and I don't know these people anymore. So, 
oh fuck okay so uh somebody in my life was dating a guy and this guy had a daughter um and his daughter was much older she was in her uh like early mid-20s at the time because I was when this all happened I was 13 so uh she was in a relationship with this guy and she was cheating on him with athletes and he found out and one day he came home and uh he shot her in the face and then he killed himself yeah it was crazy she survived and so like i guess the way that she got shot in the face like was a survivable thing but she just was like missing an eye from well she still had like an eye but like her Mm -hmm. the eye itself and like the socket and stuff was just like a little different if you know what i mean it it was hard to look at her for a long time (laughs) i don't want to say it like that messed up but i feel like i'd almost rather i guess it depends on like what your functionality is afterwards you yeah, know she was fine she was like yeah. she was still popping she was still out here in these streets like after it happened like <laughs> like to her like one monkey don't stop no show was kind of her attitude <laughs> good for her for keep on for keeping on chugging after the whole after train continues she was crazy she was still keeping it going. I was like, that's right, mama. You you pop that pussy for a real one. You you don't let nobody literally stop you. So uh but yeah, that's why I was like, oh, she survived? I was like, I know, I know that. <laughs> <laughs> that's familiar. <laughs> Face intact. Um, but then yeah, it was weird because at the very end. The nurse is because her face is all bandaged up and you can't see anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's like still out. And the nurse comes in and injects her IV or something with something. And then the nurse rubs her or is like, you'll be fine. Both of you. And like rubs her stomach. And we find out she, this bitch is pregnant. Satan is stronger than bullets. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that baby gone flourish. Okay that baby was going to be here. And this is the prequel to The Omen. <laughs> <laughs> Not really, but I bet that's how we got here. No, well, yeah, yeah. That's how we got little Damien. It was a bad babysitting job. I haven't seen The Omen in a long time. I like it, though. I know. That's, that's kind of also why I really dug this movie because it paid uh, homage to a lot of those movies like The Omen. Um, we got uh, references to The Shining a bunch, like I was saying. Um, mm-hmm. Night of the Living Dead. Uh, definitely, uh, what's that? Uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Like all those movies, this oh, yeah. somehow. Yeah, there's shades of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, um, there's even like elements of like, like Alfred Hitchcock in there because of like how the tension builds and like the eeriness in the setting that it gives you. That's like what Alfred Hitchcock was like super good at doing. Um, and like really focusing on those moments. Uh, yeah. Minimum, minimal locations and just lots of good atmospheric lighting and just slowly, just slowly ratcheting up. 
just a little bit by a little bit. And that's why, like, those, all those little bits add up to a lot. Like, that's why I don't really, I don't agree with people that say there's, like, 45 minutes of nothing in the middle of the movie. Like, I just, I don't see that. Yeah. She goes in a room, something, if you look, you will see something. Something else is added, like, almost every minute in this movie. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's just those little subtleties and stuff. Like, this movie, you really gotta, like, watch. It's kind of like how... Excuse me, like, uh, again, another movie I felt like it paid homage to was Amityville Horror. Like, there's a scene in Amityville Horror that you really have to pay attention to because there's a subtle, like, movement of furniture while they're talking that you can't see unless you're looking at it. And it's so Mm -hmm. fucking scary. But you have to be, like, paying attention to it in order to, like, get scared and see that. And there's... I. There's stuff like that's what I really love about horror movies like that is that uh, it, it forces you to pay attention. It forces you to keep your attention, especially in a time right now where like nobody has an attention span anymore. Like you really gotta, yeah, you yeah. really gotta look at stuff, and uh, that's how you get. And that that like feeling lingers because it's so creepy. You never, you end up never forgetting it. You know. Yeah, that's why. Like this really evoked like. When you want to make an 80s throwback, the better way to do it than just throwing in a bunch of neon and, like, Depeche Mode. I love Depeche Mode. (laughs) You know, like, stuff like that. Like, it's to just all the subtle details. Like, you want to make the movie like they made a movie in the 80s. That's how you get the real feel. Like, just the angles that um, the, the music cues, but they were subtle. Shit, I am so high. I had a really good thing to say, and it's gone. But uh, you're talking about the music cues and there was something about the '80s of it that's not uh, shit. Well, I like I think like the Satanic Panic thing that they played on a lot, Mm -hmm. and um, just like again going back to the slasher and haunted house tropes and the claims of it being true events and uh, all that stuff is just he he did it without making it feel cheap or uh diluted or uh played out and it it felt like he genuinely was it a, it's coming from an appreciation of the genre versus just like another copycat a bad copycat at that oh i remember what i was gonna say hmm. yeah just tying into that and what i was saying earlier just about the aesthetics like he used those long takes to ratchet up the tension like he there's not like super long takes necessarily, but it's a throwback to the eighties where like those directors back then, they let you sit with it. Somebody was getting stalked by the killer. At least at least one or two deaths in every slasher back then, they were like a minute or two long, like not the death itself, but like the stalking. It was drawn out long takes like of them walking through a room, just like discovering more and more and just getting more scared and scared before they get killed. Like today in, in the new slashers that happened right before this, in, like, the bro horror, like, 2000 to 2008, 9 era, like, right around this time, everything was so fast. And the, it's only gotten faster. Like, everyone's patience, like you said, is was was really gone by this point in the slasher genre, like, in the slasher subgenre specifically. Everything was so quick, 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 quick. So, like, just to see him sit there and follow Samantha slowly through the house while still peeling the layers of the onion back, that was great. That was a real 80s homage. Not just, again, like a bunch of bullshit neon colors and like synthy music. Like, you need more than that. That's surface. And he went like, 
like thought like beyond that and it showed it showed yeah yeah especially because like i liked that it was at one point like is what kind of movie is this going to be because you thought it because of the delivery driver pizza dude like i thought it was going to be just like another home invasion slasher movie like uh like when a stranger calls kind of thing yeah yeah totally and it's funny because I kept I kept calling it a slasher, but it, it isn't a slasher. It, but it just had that 80s feels like it. Vibe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, or is this like a haunted house thing? Because she heard the noises upstairs mm-hmm. and like the thuds and stuff. So it was like you really weren't sure what you were supposed to be afraid of, I guess. Or like what she was supposed to like what she was afraid of. She just knew that there was like this unsettling feeling in this weird house with these creepy people. And then we find out why. <laughs> and it's like, holy shit. Okay. Mm-hmm. He, he just like built that tension up so well. And again, like he's really good at doing that in general as a director, I feel like, um, because even in the sacrament, you were just felt unsettled the whole time. Like in the, in the innkeeper, too, which I think was that too, yeah, that was him, yeah. In the sacrament, yes. That one was a little more overtly funny. It, it's probably my least favorite of the three that we just mentioned, but I still in the innkeepers too. Despite the comedy and despite like the goofy nature of the movie, mm-hmm. it still creates a good atmosphere. Like there's a spookiness to it, and yeah, he's good at mood or was. I, I feel like he's kind of fallen off. Yeah, I wish he would come back and get back to stuff like this. Get- yeah, I'm like, I haven't really heard his name too much recently. Um, no, the last movie I remember that he did was like, an, oh, I feel like he did like a Western or some like action Western with John Travolta. Oh, God. And yeah, I didn't see it. I, I, don't, I honestly can't remember. I don't even know if I'm right. <laughs> I feel like I feel like that happened. I, my, maybe it's just the weed. I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was... Um, anyways, I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the Blue Knight is riding me away. <laughs> right now. I mean, actually, the sun set like two hours ago. When this came. Like right when we started recording, it said, and it's like, oh, whatever. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, um, but yeah, I really thoroughly enjoyed this movie. I, it was such a fun, spooky good time. Um, I've seen this movie a handful of times, but I, this was probably my first time watching it in probably like a couple of years, maybe like two, three years. So it was good to revisit it and, uh, look at it from a little bit, uh, with a closer eye and a little bit more in depth. Yeah, it, it, feel, it, it feels like a throwback. Like it feels like I'm watching a movie from 1983. That's why I love it. Like 26 years after it's, it's filmed 26 years or made. Right, and uh, my uh, takeaway from this is that it's great, and I think everyone should watch it, um, which is good. Um, but yeah, I really thoroughly enjoyed this. I had a fun time with it. Um, I, uh, I just want to find more movies. I wish more movies would just like do the like a style like this. You know what I mean? Where it was like. Too. Yeah, where it just like it it looked it's just like so good. <laughs> yeah, it's like a minimalistic slow burn with only a few principal characters 
and just tons of atmosphere and nuance. Mm-hmm. Just those little, little bits of things. Like, I just wish people that don't have the time for movies like this would, I don't know, give them another chance. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I guess some people really just like to escape with their movies. Right. It's like entertainment only. Mm-hmm. But I find entertainment in these small, artsy, quiet moments. Maybe, I don't know. You know, everybody's a different type of filmmaker. But I don't always like big, loud movies that, like, there's dialogue every second, and every like that, there's a cut every three seconds. Like, I like to sit. I like to be disturbed. I like to be, like, lulled. Like, Samantha was lulled into a sense of security, and then they take the rug out from under you, and you don't see it coming, because everything is just built. It's just layers and layers. Um, so yeah, thanks everyone once again, or not once again, let me start that over. <laughs> well, it feels like once again, because we've technically recorded an episode before. <laughs> we, we, we've been chatting on the low, we've been really been doing these, but we want to make sure we did these right, because we're not going to just put out anything, and we've both wanted to, like, do a show on our own and I feel like together for a really long time and now we finally got to mm-hmm. and we just want it to be really right and yeah you know we want to be a little crunchy but we don't want to be like fucking nutra grain bar crunchy right <laughs> right we're not nature valley oh, wait, excuse, Na- nature valley that's in what your I bed I, yeah nature valley in your bed I, I said I said nutra grain I said nutra grain those are soft as yeah, I was like, those are be- those are almost as soft as like fig Newtons, bro. I was like, I can go for a little Nutrigrain right now. That's why old people love that shit. You just gum them. Yeah, <laughs> you just let them. You just soften in your mouth and then you just swallow it. Yeah, I do that with a couple you can things. Chew a fucking fig Newton with your tongue. <laughs> but yeah, that even makes sense. I uh, I'm really glad to be doing this show with you, and this is like so fun. I can't wait for. I don't know what we're doing next time, but it'll be a good one. I think I think you're picking we'll, the we'll, next we'll one. We'll figure it out. So I'm excited yeah, for what you I, pick. We have it. We have it in in our notes somewhere. I don't remember off the top of our head. We might change it, but yeah, we have we have a couple. I mean, the whole damn show is about movies, so we got y'all. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, and I also want to thank our, uh, this is. Uh, Are you okay, friend? <laughs> I'm having, I'm having like an aneurysm right now. Am I stroking out? Do I smell, what is it, burnt toast? Yeah, please, you smell when please you're don't a have a stroke. I want to keep doing this show. No, it's just so <laughs> It is, it's just so hot in my apartment. I think I might be having a heat stroke, not a stroke. Um, we would like to thank Andrew Steele for making our incredible theme song and Chris C.S. for designing our great logo. Yay! Thank you guys so much. We couldn't have made Queer Horror High uh, without you. Because, you know, we need music and... Graphics. Music. Yeah, so thanks. <laughs> yeah, thank you guys. We love y'all. Thank you. Oh, and one last thing. I wanted to... I didn't even tell you I was going to do this because I just reminded myself now. But I wanted to dedicate this... Oh, our, our friend's dog died. Oh. And he was such a cutie. I loved him very much. His name is Teddy. And mm. he was our friend Amelia's dog. I think he was 13 or 14. And he passed away this morning. So 
Oh. You can dedicate this episode to Teddy. I have a white claw. You can see. I'm going to pour one out for him. Yeah. Not, not on my new equipment. Yeah. Meet you at the crossroads so you okay. won't get lonely. See you at the crossroads <laughs> so you won't get lonely. And I'm going to miss oh, no. everybody. And I'm going to miss everybody. <laughs> that was for you, Teddy. That was for you, Teddy. Thanks for holding it down, okay, being a real well, one. Yeah, yeah. Hey, well, thank you guys for listening to the quote unquote first episode of Queer Horror High. And hopefully, uh, we'll not see you, but hopefully, you'll hear us next week. Yay! Bye! <laughs> bye! <laughs> Thanks for listening to Queer Horror High. Damn, that shit's